welcome to this series on security clearance appeals. This is your host, Attorney Alan Edmonds, and I want to welcome you back. Uh, today's session uh, is a continuation of our uh, walk through the adjudicative guidelines. Uh, those are the guidelines that the government uses, all the government agencies, to deny or revoke a applicant's uh, security clearance request. And we have been taking a, a methodical uh, review and uh, continuation of these guidelines for your benefit. Many of you have phoned me and had questions that I've uh, written down and my podcasts are an attempt to uh, answer your questions and also uh, expand on your questions and offer some insight. One of the guidelines that the government has been using frequently is guideline I, which is psychological conditions. And uh, that's found in the DOD Directive 5220.6. And it's also found in the National Security Adjudicative Guidelines. I've told you many times during these podcasts that different agencies, whether it's a uh, Department of Homeland Security, the Department of Energy, uh, CIA or NSA, they slap a different cover page on the same material. The content inside is the same. You have 13 guidelines, you have aggravation and you have mitigation discussed in those guidelines. And uh, today we're on guideline I. Uh, as you know, I am the uh, owner and founder of the Edmonds Law Firm. We have been helping active duty military, uh, civilian DOD contractors and federal employees uh, defend their security clearance. We're very passionate and aggressive. Our attorneys are litigators. We love the courtroom and uh, we are anxious to help you and defend your clearance when the government sends out what's called a statement of reasons. That means they've looked at your SF-86 or your ECIP, and they've found that there are some things in your answers that create a concern, and they issue a statement of reasons, commonly referred to as an SOR, to revoke your clearance or deny the application if it's your first time applying for a clearance. That's a hugely important document. It's one you don't want to answer yourself because the ramifications are so serious. If you lose a security clearance case, it is recorded in several federal agencies, including DCSA at Fort Meade uh, and uh, Scattered Castles and all the other federal agencies access uh, these records of yours. And so they can see a security clearance denial. And of course, that's the worst uh, flag you could have on your security clearance. And it will preclude you from uh, successfully getting a clearance for many years. Um, if you have questions, I want you to call me at 800-481-2526. We have offices across the United States in Washington, D.C., North Carolina, Florida, Texas, and California. And our attorneys travel uh, the country. We have been doing this for over 45 years, 
and uh, we're one of the powerhouses in the legal community in the area of national security, military law, and uh, federal employee rights under the MSBB. So uh, don't hesitate to call us. Now back to our podcast for Guideline I, it's psychological conditions. And the concern that the government has is stated, uh, quote, certain emotional, mental, and personality conditions can impair judgment, reliability, or trustworthiness. And there's that common word that the federal government uses uh, in these guidelines, which is trustworthiness. They're very, very sensitive to uh, an individual's ability to be trusted with classified information or access to classified spaces. So, and they want to see reliability. So they're saying if you have a mental or personality condition, uh, that's going to be examined closely. The guideline language goes on to say a formal diagnosis of a disorder is not required for there to be a concern. A duly qualified mental health professional employed by or acceptable to and approved by the U.S. government should be consulted for evaluation. And I want to tell you, I want to stop here and tell you one of the biggest pitfalls that many of you are unaware of, and that is that the government can send you to a psyche valve, and you'll go see a contractor who has a, a fat contract with the federal government to do nothing but do psyche valves. If you're in the military, it could be an active duty uh, physician at uh, a regional hospital or medical facility, and you don't know their qualifications. The doctors that uh, different agency uses uh, have varying degrees of qualifications. And what uh, is always of a concern to me when I litigate these cases is that the doctor used by the government, they call them a qualified mental health professional, spends very little time with you. As a matter of fact, uh, it's usually less than a couple of hours. They conduct some tests by another uh, individual, not a doctor, and then somebody scores those tests. You don't know who it is. And suddenly you have an evaluation that's very damaging and critical and uh, oftentimes is not necessarily accurate. But uh, that's a concern for your lawyer or for the Edmonds Law Firm. If you uh, call us at 800-481-2526, you see, we have our own set of experts to review the evaluations that you folks get when you're uh, ordered to take a psyche valve. And by the way, when you get an order from the government to go get a psychological evaluation, you have to comply. If you don't comply and you have a right to say, I'm not gonna do it, well, the security clearance process stops and you will not get a security clearance. So um, the language at the end of the SF-86 is illuminating. You should read it. You give up a lot of your uh, rights, so to speak, to get this clearance because, as I've said numerous times, a security clearance is not a constitutional right. It's a privilege. And the federal government is entrusting you with access to some very sensitive 
physical buildings and offices, and they're also entrusting you with uh, possession of classified material. So the regulation says that uh, you go to a qualified mental health professional. If he writes a report that's disqualifying, then uh, you're going to have a problem. So uh, Section 28A says, the government is looking for behavior that casts doubt on an individual's judgment, stability, reliability, or trustworthiness. And uh, they say that an opinion by a duly qualified mental health professional, uh, if it's negative uh, about you or suggests that you are impaired, will be sufficient for the government to issue you a statement of reasons upon which they'll base a denial. Um, the government looks at voluntary or involuntary inpatient hospitalization. And this is another <coughs> serious area, area, excuse me. Um, the federal government will go to all your medical providers. If you have a history of mental or emotional condition, they'll go to your provider, first your treating physician, They'll get his records. If his records talk about a hospitalization, they'll go to that hospital and get those records. If the hospital records talk about other doctors or other hospitalizations, it's like they'll follow the breadcrumbs and they'll get all of the medical records that are available that uh, different doctors and institutions have. Um, if you fail to follow a prescribed treatment plan and the doctor notes it in his records, that's a basis of concern for the government and they'll yank your security clearance. If you have uh, pathological problems, gambling or uh, problems with uh, your truthfulness, uh, that could be an issue and could result in a uh, finding under guideline I, psychological conditions. It's interesting that the federal government looks at gambling and associated behaviors, which include unsuccessful attempts to stop gambling or gambling for increasingly higher stakes or uh, attempts to cover losses, concealing gambling losses, or borrowing or stealing money to fund gambling. Gambling is a huge concern for the federal government because it creates a financial concern to you if you're a gambler and you're not successful. That makes you more susceptible, of course, to being bribed. And that's the segue that the government is taking into this denial of a security clearance if you're a gambler. I've had clients that unwittingly uh, in response to a financial concern uh, that the government was uh, raising, sent their uh, credit card records and they didn't read them. And lo and behold, one client had on his credit card numerous visits to a casino in Las Vegas. And the government read that and saw that. And in addition to guideline F, financial concerns, they now filed in a amended SOR for guideline I, psychological conditions. So when you come to our office uh, and you have a guideline I, 
we start a very, very diligent uh, and thorough process of creating mitigation. And uh, we do this in a number of ways. Uh, we love to show that you've been engaged in a treatment program, or we love to demonstrate that you no longer gamble. Uh, of course, we look at credit reports to see if financially you're paying your bills. There's 17 items that we use at the Edmonds Law Firm to establish a case in mitigation. And the good news for you as a listener is that we've been very successful. We don't win every case, but we win a lot of these guideline I cases. They take a tremendous amount of preparation. And um, we uh, do the formal response to SOR. It could be a document that's 25 pages or more. Uh, we also litigate these cases at the formal stage, the formal hearing. You never want to go to a hearing by yourself on a guideline I case. It'll be an absolutely horrible traumatic experience because the cross-examination from the government attorney is not going to be uh, a uh, beneficial or a pleasant experience. And you're simply not going to know how to respond to the questions. In addition, the judge also has an opportunity to question you at a formal hearing on a guideline I case as he does on any of the guidelines. But in guideline I cases, the government absolutely uh, is aggressive in their questioning. And uh, one of the functions is I tell my clients, and I've said in these podcasts, which surprises everybody, I have two major functions as your lawyer. Number one is to win the case, but secondly is to protect you at the hearing stage from being uh, treated unfairly in the courtroom. And you may say, how can that happen? Well, there are some lawyers that uh, forget their manners, so to speak, and they become accusatory and uh, they disparage people. And that's totally inappropriate. And uh, if you have me in the courtroom, I guarantee you, you're going to be protected. So that's a, a, an overview of guideline I under the directive. It's used more and more today because of uh, the counterculture movements and all of the new uh, different uh, cultures and behaviors that are coming out. Um, it's also used uh, if you have a history in your family of mental illness. It's used uh, in times when there's violence. If there's been domestic violence or you've been involved in violence, um, guideline I will be used. And of course, it's used, unfortunately, for our military members that have uh, traumatic brain injury, TBI, or PTSD. I think it's uh, unfair application, but you served your country and you came back with a mental or emotional uh, condition, and now the government's going to use it and say you're impaired and you should not be entrusted with secrets of the United States, although you were uh, asked to put your life on the line in a combat area and you did so. Um, we are absolutely thrilled to represent active duty and retired military. Uh, we are totally committed to uh, gratitude for your service and uh, welcome your calls. This is attorney Alan Edmonds. You can reach me at 800-481-2526. I want to remind you that we post podcasts 
almost every week on Spotify and Apple. And we also have a video uh, series that's ongoing. I have done now over 40 videos. They're posted uh, on social media and also on our website at allenedmonds.com and nationalsecurityclearances.com. Many people watch them and find them very beneficial. So thank you for listening, and uh, I hope to hear from you, 800-481-2526. Thank you.